Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, welcome back to the show. This week, I thought we'd take a look at gin, or genies. Middle Eastern, what I would define as as land spirits, though others may have different views. It's a fun-packed episode, but before we dive in, let's take a look at the week ahead. So, I forgot to mention in last week's episode, but today is Parinavana Day, commemorating the death of Buddha. Aged 80, Buddha uttered his final words. All conditioned things are subject to decay. Strive for your liberation with diligence. It's an important time for Buddhists to reflect on the impermanence of life and upon their inevitable death. Often people use this day for intense meditation or pilgrimages. The 16th is National Almond Day, because why not? Did you know almonds belong to the Rose family? Slowing the absorption of sugar into the blood, they also provide 12 vitamins and minerals. Random Acts of Kindness Day falls on the 17th. This originated in New Zealand, and it's become a huge international holiday since. There are many studies that suggest kindness is contagious. If someone benefits from someone else's kindness, they are more likely to be kind to someone else. So, do something kind. It's National Drink Wine Day in America on the 18th. 
I'm always partial to a cheeky glass of red. And did you know, winemaking can be traced back to ancient China at around 7000 BCE, though the practice is likely to be much, much older. We've got the moon waning, and there will be a dark moon on the 20th. Carnival starts in South America on the same day, and it often kicks off before Lent, which is a period that involves giving up meat, sugar, or other foods and drink, or generally fasting. Carnival is the last chance to really indulge in these things, and it involves parades, public street parties, and other entertainment. On February 21st, we've got International Mother Language Day. It celebrates and honours the diversity in languages of the world and to promote cultural and linguistic diversity, inspired by the fact that on this day in 1992, four university students in Pakistan were killed by police over protesting the laws that forbid them to speak their mother language of Bengali. It's a great day to celebrate your language and to start on the journey to learn a new one. February 21st is also Earth God's Day in Taiwan, also known as Tudigong, whereby people head to their local shrine to pay homage to the Earth God. Humble Day falls on February 22nd, and it's a day to recognise your own shortcomings and to apologise for any wrongdoings that you may have done. By practising humility, we shine a spotlight on any areas we need to improve. Look at the past week and look at any situations where you slipped up. This isn't an exercise in judgment. We're just looking to see how we can do better for next time. And that's your week. Let's take a look at the gin. The first time the West encountered the jinn or the genie can be traced back to the early 18th century, when Anton Gallon, a French archaeologist and a scholar of Asian culture, published the first European translation of Thousand and One Nights, and so began the love affair with the wish-making genie. But there is so much depth and meaning to these beings. What are they? Well, the word jinn comes from the Arabic al-jino, meaning something that is covered or concealed. Jinn also derives from the word for heaven, jana, also meaning to hide or to conceal. So, it's clear that from looking at the word jinn, they are beings that cannot be seen, and they are closer to heaven than us. Now, to quote from the Quran, the jinn were made out of the fire of scorching winds, as well as a smokeless flame of fire. They were made after angels, but before humanity. And the first jinn that was ever created is the disobedient Iblisso. He occupies a dubious space within Islam. He basically refused to acknowledge and bow down to Adam, who Allah created, and thus was banished from heaven. Ibliso is the Islamic version of the devil and is referred to as Satan. Now, essentially the jinn are fire spirits that have origins in pre-Islamic Arabia, with some suggesting that they originate in ancient Mesopotamian mythology, where jinn-like entities were worshipped as gods. But we're not too sure, and the earliest they date back to is 2400 BCE at least. 
It's also thought that they could have possibly originated with the Bedouins, who are a nomadic Arabic tribe. Now, this tribe, as they travelled, they passed the concept and belief of the jinn to the settled tribes. But this doesn't look like the full picture. Yes, the Bedouins believe in the jinn. They see them as land spirits, but they are much less frightened of them. It's more the city dwellers who are afraid, and they're afraid of the desert and all it holds too, generally speaking. Now, the jinn's nature, it's somewhat ambivalent, possessing free will. Some are righteous and good, while some are evil and evil doers. Despite how ambiguous their morality might be, they usually honour a promise or a vow and will appreciate respectful behaviour and favours done. Conversely, a lot of tales highlight the fact that they are tricksters. There is a passage in the Quran that has multiple interpretations, but one of them is that the jinn listen to the lowest levels of heaven, whereby the angels are listening to Allah and discussing his truths. Now the jinn gather these truths, and they take them back to the earth, and they distort them with lies. And in Egypt, shooting stars, they're actually explained as projectiles from Allah throwing them at troublesome jinn. Now, where the jinn live is interesting. They reside in a world parallel to ours. This realm is called Elai Abu, meaning unseen world. There are other stories where it's called Carfan, as the Greek gods have Mount Olympus and the Norse have Asgard. The jinn have the named realm of Carfan, and it can also be known as Carfan Mountains or Mount Carfan. Now, the slopes of the mountains are the home of jinn, as well as the phoenix. I have a phoenix episode as part of my bonus content on Supercast. The link is in my description. And it's also seen as the mother of all mountains. Now, these mountains, they were created by Allah, and they're made from emerald, circling the known world, and they're very difficult to reach. As late as the 14th century, these mountains are recorded as standard on geographical work. The jinn also live alongside other creatures. They form hierarchical societies, kingdoms, they procreate, and they can have extensive families, and even follow different faiths. They're able to traverse both their world and ours, making them dual-dimensional. We don't have that ability. There's tales within folklore whereby humans and jinn have interbred, and their offspring is usually very magically gifted. Now, the jinn, they're mortal, like us, but their lifespan is much longer, some living 1,000 to 2,000 years. Now, in our world, they're attracted to unclean places, so think of bathrooms, dunghills, slaughterhouses, graveyards, crossroads. Runes attract them as well, and especially the runes of cities swallowed by the desert. And there's many of these places that have faded into myth and legend, and often the jinn guard any treasures that may be contained within. They also reside in houses that have been abandoned or remain empty for too long. And jinn hauntings are widely documented. In 2000, there was a case of a haunting in an all-girls school in Saudi Arabia. Now, a cleric was asked by officials to investigate, and although his report isn't available, he did indeed confirm that the school was plagued by the jinn. 
They also crave heat, and they can be found in the desert, in hot springs, as well as bathhouses. And according to Arabian law, the lote tree, a wild thorny shrub, is highly desirable to them. Now this is so much so that the Bedouins actually don't use this wood for fuel. And Osark, an Arabian box thorn, is also reputed to be the dwelling of the jinn. Again, this is the reason why the plant isn't used for fuel, and it's also found around ruins as well, furthering the suspicion around it. The jinn, they seem to be nocturnal, with them sleeping during the day, and they must eat to survive. It is well known that bones are their food of choice, and they feed animal dung to their animals. Now, the jinn are also very skilled shapeshifters. They're able to take on any physical form, and they move with incredible speed, comparable to light. Now, similar to the fae, the jinn are associated with wind, and they're said to travel by using it. Sandstorms are actually thought to be the result of two or more jinn fighting. To circle back to the wind connection, there's actually a lot of comparisons between the jinn and the fae that scholars can't quite place their finger on as to why. If you want to learn more about the fae, I've done two extensive episodes on them, titled The She. S-I-D-H-E. It is the old Gaelic way of saying the fae. There are also several different types of jinn. We've got Amer, these are the ones who live amongst us. There's Arua, who are the ones that antagonize the young. There's Shaitanon, these are the evil ones who antagonize humans. They're usually the children of Ibliso. We've got Marid, these are the most powerful ones, and they are worse than a demon. They typically dwell in the seas and the oceans. Marid has roots in the word giant, which gives you an indication as to how big they are. Ifrit are the ones that are capable of causing huge amounts of harm, and physically they're very large too. There are many modern myths that attribute this group to the protection of the pyramids and to burial grounds as well. In Morocco, it's common to avoid making any sort of named reference to the jinn in the fear that it would summon them. We also have seven jinn kings who govern different days of the week, and there's actually a lot of crossover with planetary magic with them. While in Tunisia, there's a legion of jinn that reside in the sea, akin to mermaids. We've also got different colours of jinn as well. In Syria, the king of jinn is red, as is his soldiers. It's also believed that everyone has a jinn assigned to them, as like a constant companion. These are called Karin, and the Quran sees them as an evil force that persuades us to commit acts of evil. This is by no means an exhaustive list, and there are many, many varieties of jinn. There's also a belief that jinn can enter a human body and possess it, causing extreme mental conditions called sara, a word which is also applied to epilepsy and epileptic fits. Even today, there is a difference in opinion between scholars and some Muslim physicians on the cause of epileptic seizures due to jinn possession. And possession can happen for multiple reasons, from revenge over like hot water being thrown over them. Remember, they aren't visible to the human eye, and this does pop up a lot in the folklore, the idea of throwing wastewater over them. Or urinating in a crack or a hole in the ground, which is where they're said to live. 
or they may possess out of love. This this is also quite common. And possession is countered by citing passages of the Quran over the inflicted. This possession is called Majnunan, and it literally means to be possessed by a genie. Jinn masters or Sufis are usually employed to get rid of jinn possessions and they'll use a variety of techniques, from cupping to singing ecstatic Nawa music. There's one possession ritual in Egypt that bears special mention, called the Zara, and usually involves only women. Thought to derive from early African animalist religions, it involves music and drums, as well as seances, dancing and entering a trance. An animal sacrifice and a meal also follow. Now the aim isn't to remove the jinn, but to appease it and thus gain its power. Zaras are a vital social function as well, providing women with music, dancing, food, and a safe, relaxed atmosphere. The women in charge of these events are called Kodias, and these women themselves become possessed and commune with the jinn, acting as an interceder on behalf of the afflicted. This Kodia position is often passed mother to daughter. Now, there are also certain plants that are used to repel them as well, the Indian costus repels gin, and it's often the powdered root that's used, and it can be mixed with olive oil and used as a nose drop ointment to exercise any stubborn gin from their possessed victim. Dragon's blood resin boiled in water is taken internally as well for the same effect, and a way to pacify the gin is to actually tell them stories and recite poetry, which brings me on to my next point. The gin have a special connection to poets, so much so that the term Chiron came into use, which meant a poet who was supernaturally inspired by the jinn. Now, pre-Islamic poets, they were quite open about their relationship to these beings, saying that they had a special jinn that was their companion, so much so that they would actually attribute verses to them. These poets held a lot of influence and power over their communities, and if the poet was Majnunon, possessed by a jinn, he was granted protected status. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, there is a more sinister side to the jinn, because we see accusations throughout history whereby they've been accused of abducting humans for a variety of reasons, including marriage, sex, for a trial in a jinn court, or for replacing a jinn child killed by humans, and they can also leave changelings in place of human babies. 
A way to correct this situation was to leave the suspected changeling at a cemetery for 20 minutes and then return to discover if the djinn had returned the real child. Now, Sargon the Great, one of the first empire builders ruling around 2300 BCE, he claimed that he was the son of a changeling. And I mentioned that humans could find themselves in a djinn court. The likeliest reason for this was for murdering a djinn, often while in the form of a snake. So let's say, for example, a snake invades your home. A way to get around this was to ask the snake to leave three times. If the snake remained, it's thought that it wasn't a djinn, and therefore it could be killed without reprimand. And interestingly, these court proceedings would be held in the wrongdoer's mind or in a dream, and while in court, they appear to be mad to the rest of the world. There's also many accounts whereby the jinn attach themselves to items, especially items that are old or that can be used to travel in. They also have a special affinity for opals. Now, there's one tale from Iraq that explains why gems have their own unique abilities. So, there was a pack of female jinn, and a wolf suddenly appears. Now, within folklore, particularly in rural Iraq, the jinn can't escape from wolf attacks, and no one's too sure where or why this detail crops up. There's a belief throughout the Middle East that wolves will be the last to die in this world, which could have something to do with it, but we don't know where these wolf beliefs originate from. But they do look like they predate Islam. But back to our wolf story with the jinn. So this wolf suddenly appears, and usually the jinn would sink into the ground to escape, but remember they don't have these powers on account of the wolf. So, they turned themselves into semi-precious stones. Now, each stone they turned into gained that individual jinn's power. So, soapstone gained the ability to prevent heart ailments, hematite granted power, and so on. And the jinn, they're also reported to make strange sounds in the desert at night to reveal their presence to other jinn as well as humans. It's a low, faint murmur, and this noise, it's well documented and a group of scientists actually went out into the desert to find out how it worked. Now, from their findings, they thought it was sand avalanches down the side of slopes and of dunes that were sufficiently dry enough, but they couldn't fully explain the phenomenon and why the sound was so loud. Interestingly, they also couldn't replicate it. Now, it does look like the jinn were worshipped as gods in some areas, which is something the Quran expressly forbids. It's likely it's a pre-Islamic custom, but trying to look into pre-Islamic deity worship is chaotic to say the least, with it being a mixture of jinn, mythical ancestors and legendary heroes gradually elevated to the position of deity that scholars today are reluctant to organise into one coherent pantheon. For many deities, we don't actually know their original name or where they were worshipped, and their mythology is lost, suppressed by Islam and its proselytization. Traditionally, the Bedouins were also quite fluid with their beliefs, adopting whatever local communities' deities they came into contact with, fostering good relations, and thus enabling trade. This further makes it difficult to pinpoint the origins of beliefs throughout the area. Now, it's thought that the ancient Babylonians built a lot of their evil demons on the basis of jinn. And we also see evidence that suggests that the Meccans of the early 7th century offered sacrifices to them, seeking their guidance and help. 
and also near the ancient Syrian city of Palmyra. An inscription was found declaring that the jinn are, quote, the good and rewarding gods. And interestingly, for reasons we're unsure of, the jinn within Palmyra were invoked in pairs by citizens who sought their protection. Now, a common and powerful jinn combo was Manon and Sado. Manon carried a lance and rides on horseback, while Sado rides a camel. We know that Mano's feast day was August 16th and that beef dishes were particularly important. Let's take a look at some old stories and legends of the jinn. We can't talk about the jinn without referencing King Solomon, monarch of Israel and probably ruling from about the 10th century BCE. Now he is famously linked to the jinn and according to Arabic texts, his empire was large, stretching from Palestine down into the Arabic peninsula and into Yemen. Incredibly wise and understanding the language of birds, animals and insects, he was also able to control the jinn mainly through the use of his magical ring known as the Seal of Solomon. Now this ring was supposedly made from a blend of brass and iron. On the brass part, Solomon stamped written commands to control the good jinn, while on the iron, there were commands to control the evil ones. And according to some sources, he controlled 70 jinn and made them swear a pledge of loyalty to him. According to the Quran, it was these entities that built the first temple of Jerusalem and many other public works and fortifications. The city in Syria that I spoke of earlier, Palmyra, was also said to be constructed or rebuilt, according to some accounts, by the jinn at the command of Solomon. There's a very famous tale within the Arabian Nights called The Fisherman and the Jinn. A jinn of lust or wrath, he was actually sealed into a jar by Solomon on accusations that the entity was a non-believer. The jar was sealed with lead, stamped with Solomon's seal, and inscribed with God's name and cast into the ocean. Hundreds of years later, a fisherman pulled up the jar in his net. Now he slips his knife between the lead and opens the jar, pouring it onto the ground. But nothing comes out, despite the jar being very heavy. All of a sudden, vapour emerges from the jar and condenses into an ifrit, who dominates the sky. Mighty Solomon, thank you for freeing me, the jinn declares. The fisherman reports that Solomon has been dead for many, many years, and the jinn then laughs and says, prepare to die then. Now the fisherman tries to stop him, saying the jinn owes him a favour, but the jinn replies that for the first hundred years of his imprisonment, he vowed that whoever freed him would lead a happy life. For the next hundred years after that, the saviour would get three wishes, but for the next hundred years after that, he grew angry and vowed to kill whoever freed him. The fisherman thinks quickly and says, okay, but answer me this, how did you fit into this jar? I just don't believe that you came from it, you came from somewhere else. And the jinn proves himself by entering the jar again, and the fisherman quickly seals it. This is quite a common trope within jinn folklore, with this need to prove themselves and this need to sort of hype themselves up and there's this sort of brag factor around the jinn that you see throughout their tales. Now back to our story, the jinn is powerless and he quickly changes his tune, promising to reward the fisherman if he's freed, but the fisherman threatens to cast him back into the sea. 
Now the Jin swears in the name of Allah that he won't, and they share some stories that are similar to the situation that they're in. And while they're telling them, they bond and they become friends. Now night falls, and the fisherman releases the Jin, and he leads the fisherman into the woods that surrounds a lake, telling the fisherman to cast his net into the lake and take what he discovers to the Sultan. He then disappears. No, the fisherman catches four fish, each one more beautiful than the last. Doing as he's told, he takes the catch to the sultan, who asks the fisherman, "Where did he get them from?" It turns out that this lake is an ancient town which fell under a spell from a sorceress, and the fish are the town's people. And the sultan has been searching for this lake for a very long time, so he asks the fisherman to take him to it. And the Sultan finds the castle where the sorceress lives, and he destroys her, and the lake turns back into a town. The Sultan honors the fisherman by bestowing him with many, many gifts. Hopefully, from today's episode, you can see that the Jinn are far more powerful and have far more depth to them than the Western Disneyfied version. They're a powerful race of spirits that many believe in. And their similarities to the European Fae defy explanation. There aren't many spells or suggestions on how to work with them magically, which is very telling. But I have done some digging, and I've found some spells and rituals. I always find you guys the good stuff. If you are interested in this, I have put this into an episode, and that is now live over on my Supercast channel, which you can get access to in my episode description, or if you just go to Supercast website. And that is a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you feel so inclined, please leave a review, and you can also subscribe. I didn't know this, but if you subscribe. You get alerts to when a new episode launches. I've subscribed to podcasts for a very long time, but I've always had my phone on Do Not Disturb, and recently took it off and was getting all these podcast notifications, podcasts that I'd forgotten about. So, yeah, my my podcast episodes to catch up on is quite vast at the minute. So, subscribe if you are interested, and I will catch you next Wednesday for a brand new saucy little episode. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.